What's up, everybody? My name is Matt James, and welcome to Generation Bitcoin. Today, I'm here with Carlos Alfaro. How are you doing today, Carlos? Good. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, man. Super glad to have you on. Let's go through some backstory. You and I have been friends back in college through Young Americans for Liberty and Students for Liberty back in the day. We were both involved in the Liberty Movement, trying to get the word out about Ron Paul and why it's so important to protect our liberties. I'm so glad we're able to reconnect after all these years. So tell me a little bit more about how you got involved in the Liberty Movement and uh, why that appealed to you. I would have to say the number one thing is just viewing how I grew up in Mexico, was brought here at an early age and, and got to see the two different worlds of how a com country operates, right? Why certain institutions are stronger uh, in one area than it might be in another. And you can really see that right off the bat. It's something that you don't have to study very much to realize, right? Living in one place and comparing it to the other. And so as I was growing up, I was very curious about what made America the way that it is. And it what really attracted me was the diversity and the immigrant story that America has, the history of immigrants coming to this country and making something of themselves, being free, a very individualistic kind of ideology. And so that gave me hope. And I, I wanted to see if there was a way for me to promote that. And so in college, I looked into, you know, being a politician or being an attorney or being an academic and, and getting a PhD and writing a book about something. And as I did all these things, I, I really enjoyed it, but I found myself enjoying those extracurricular activities a little more. <laughs> so, you know, going and working for nonprofits, building groups at, on campus, having events and debates together. And so that's where I really found my joy and my success, because as we were doing these events for Students for Liberty and the Young Libertarians Club, we really started attracting Democrats, Republicans and independents from all around us, our peers and even in the parties. And eventually I ran College Republicans, which was really cool. And it allowed me to do something different. Instead of focusing on the party and the candidates, we focused on the issues. And so our, our team of six people, our group meeting of six people grew because we were no longer talking about small politics or even state politics. We were talking about issues that affected nations and the world. And so we would bring people together to discuss those and really found that I enjoyed putting conversations like that together. To be able to do that, bring in the politics, bring in the academics, bring in the business and kind of put something together to promote stuff, to promote good policy. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Uh, America, we definitely used to have a lot of freedoms and that definitely enabled America to get to where we are now. Um, well, and then, so. I mean, it also has a very complicated history, right? Because something, I was at a dinner one day, and I think this is the best way to explain it because it kind of hit me hard when somebody says, make America great again. To him, he thought about when America was not so great for certain groups of people in this country, you know, whether it was for slavery, whether it was for um, exploitation, you know, whatever it was, America has a difficult yep. past that it needs to deal with, but it is great because regardless of that, it moves on and it provides even more freedoms for people. So in a way, one could say that we're freer today than before. Yeah. So you have quite the experience with, with all this. So you've been through a lot of organizations working for the Goldwater Institute, the Libre Initiative in Arizona, 
Students for Liberty, Young Americans for Liberty, the Cato Institute, a Marijuana Policy Project. And now you're the Arizona political director at Alliance for Safety and Justice, and you're the founder of Arizona Talks. So we got a lot of organizations there. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about, you know, what you do now and what led you to where you are now and wh- why you chose this, this profession. Yeah, well, I think it came out of that desire to bring people together to talk about policy. Some of my favorite nights have been spent sitting around dinner or a beer or coffee and talking about a particular issue with people that that know about it, whether it's an expert or just my, my peers and friends. And so I believe that there's something there to be said about this country where we can do that. No matter what your background is, religious, country, whatever, we're able to live together and have these difficult conversations and make democracy work somehow. And so the way that I see it is promoting civil dialogue. And that, that's that's what really drives me is that whether it's advocating for a policy to go through with a consulting side, you know, where we're actually advocating for something, or whether we're featuring a topic on a in a way that we're not pushing any side, but we're providing all the sides an opportunity to to talk about it and have people make up their own minds. So all of that I see as driving towards promoting civil dialogue and civil discussion and really like the way that America has been for a long time. You know, we were, were able to have these open discussions as part of our American culture. And so I hope that we can continue to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's why we got this podcast here, right? Having an open discussion <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. So with, with Arizona Talks, are you um, are you having uh, what kind of what kind of conversations that do you have within that within that organization? What's your what's your goal with with it? Yeah, I was mentioning to you before the podcast that it was uh, a passion project of mine. Really, what I want to be doing long term. The advocacy stuff is great. Awesome. I, I love doing that. I like to see bills being passed that are beneficial for business and the economy and people just living here, but also I want to promote that civil dialogue at all levels. And so the last year when we weren't able to go outside, when we were not able to do our regular programming, we really honed down on our ability to do virtual events. And as we've been starting to come out, small, socially distanced Jeffersonian dinners where we bring in key folks in a particular topic and we have a conversation about it. For example, we talked about riots versus peaceful protests, where we discuss what the line is there, what what's good, what's historically been Americans' response to peaceful protests, number one, and then riots, number two. And they've actually been happening even before the founding of our country on, on this soil. And so it's so interesting to to dig into those stories. My organization tries to put it in a way that very different viewpoints are featured. So while we have people that are experts and, and have a certain point of view, they're also being challenged at the same time by, by their peers and colleagues on their own beliefs. Hmm. Very cool. Well, it sounds like uh, very productive and I'm sure, I'm sure you guys uh, got a lot done through, through those dinners. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's not a lot of like bills or deal making or anything like that. But what we do accomplish is that for that night, there was a space where civil dialogue was had about that that particular topic. And that's important enough to us to keep that tradition alive. If we keep doing that, then this country's going to be in a better place. For sure. Awesome. So getting into criminal justice, you know, I know that's your specialty. 
so laws are constantly being added. You know, I, I'm sure you know they're they're rarely taken away, right? They're always added. There's so many laws in the books now. It's I, I read that it's been estimated uh, that the average person unknowingly breaks at least three f- federal crimes a day, which is insane. You know, you're That's walking around and you're just always breaking laws. So, in your eyes, I was wondering, is this is this too many too many laws? Has it got out of hand in your opinion? And if so, where do you think the the right amount of legislation is in your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big question. I think that we have certainly been overcriminalized in this country in laws that tend to want to do good but have unintended consequences. We see this more most clearly in some of the criminal justice policies that have been passed in recent decades that have criminalized and and made it harder for people to get away from the the justice system and to rehabilitate and go back and and have a fresh start. We've also seen it in the drug war as we spend billions and billions of dollars in arresting people and trying to shut down cartels where the real enemy or the real cause of this is actually demand. It's not that that there's bad guys out there that want to sell bad drugs, it's that people want to take those drugs and that the only alternative that they have is to go to the, the black market. And it is crazy how people don't see, some people don't see the parallel between prohibition days with alcohol and the drug war that we see today. It's certainly a different substance. It's certainly used in different ways, but certainly, you know, punishing and using the criminal justice system for, for some of those things has, has proven not to be of benefit to our country. Yeah, I, I agree. It's gotten out of hand for sure. And that, that's a good point, you know, that it is a result of demand. You know, if there's demand for something, that's they're going to meet that demand, no matter if it's legal or not. And that's it's it's a hard thing to to try to legislate when there's when there's a demand for it. <laughs> and we still need laws around these substances. You know, growing up in the, in the libertarian movement through college, you know, there was a very very big resistance to compromise and to just have regular standard <laughs> rules apply. For example, a great example of this was the marijuana laws that were trying to pass across the country where we're trying to legalize a substance that is illegal but then we found resistance in some libertarian community saying well you're going to tax it and regulate it mm-hmm. and we said well that's what a legal product is today we don't want overburdened government where people are arresting people for using a product but we also don't want a product that has no regulation and no oversight where the same kind of I guess oppression can happen because not only can governments oppress and uh, take advantage of people, but individuals can too, right? I mean, that's exactly why we need the justice system and why we need police. Um, that's true. To be used as fraud. Right yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I was just going to talk about that actually with the marijuana legislation. It's you know it's been decriminalized in, in a lot of places, which is good, and it's it was even you know, deemed essential during the COVID shutdowns, which is pretty insane. It it went from, you know, going to jail just for possession to essential and must be open during COVID. (laughs) And another, another thing I read in the news was that Washington state government was giving out free weed to get vaccinated. And it's just insane, you know, like they're giving away (laughs) weed 
meanwhile, there's people in, in jail for it. So my, my question about that That's is, do you think we're, we're headed in the right direction with, with the street decriminalization? And what do you think should be targeted next for, for decriminalization? Absolutely going in the right direction. We've seen the examples from Colorado to Washington and now more and more states as they legalize even Arizona that the black market can't be ruling this product, right? And so when you put businesses that do it the right way, <clears throat> you're going you're gonna to see uh, a much better product, number one, a safer product, and regulation and oversight, which is, I think, exactly what even the prohibitionists are, are trying to get at, right? They're saying this is a dangerous substance. We need to control it in some way. But that they arrive at the conclusion that we should ban it altogether and arrest anybody that has it, where... A more viable solution is regulate ID laws, you know, that, that show that the person that is going to purchase it is of right age or whatever that age is. I think we're going in the right direction. And it's always important to know that there are people that even though we live in the legal world, there are still people in jail and there's still people with records yeah. that are be still being affected by that prohibition. And it's important to look at that in the Arizona law. They're allowing people to erase their records or expunge records for marijuana charges that were nonviolent. And that's the first expungement ever in existence here in Arizona. So th there is no other way you can expunge your record here that the law does not allow you, even if you've already gone to jail, if you've paid whatever retribution you had, whatever it is, you still always have a record and you still always have that burden on you. We were able to remove that with marijuana charges, and I hope we're able to remove that for more. That's the important part of, of legalization, is that there it's a criminal justice issue. It's not just about pushing the product and saying how great it is, uh, but it's about <laughs> reforming the criminal justice system. And, and those are two sides of it. Yes, it's great. Yes, a new industry is going to be created. But most importantly, people aren't going to go to jail, and we're not going to have yeah. to spend the, that money in, in programs that don't work. So I hope that it goes into more substances. I hope that we see the benefits of uh, substances like, like psychedelics, like other medicines. I know on the other side of the coin, we have a legislation called Right to Try at the federal level, where if you're experiencing some sort of terminally ill disease, you're able to go and try alternative medicines to try to you know fight that off. So at, at all levels, we're winning. We're going towards more freedom in in our own bodies and i hope that it continues we have to legalize not just marijuana but we have to legalize the use of our own bodies you know we can't let the government yep. dictate uh, what goes in or out especially if there's a doctor involved so i hope mm -hmm. that we're going that way and it certainly seems that way yeah yeah i definitely agree i am hoping that we we go more that direction and i think i think psilocybin seems to be the next the next on board so it's a uh, pretty exciting exciting stuff let's hope so <laughs> let's hope so yeah absolutely i mean these things should be treated as medicines as substances that can benefit our community not uh, dangerous and out of control like they've been due to the policy that has been in place <laughs> that's yeah. what makes it dangerous is that is the law in contrast though to this whole government criminal justice system that we live in where they're just able to add more and more laws to the system Bitcoin, on the other hand, is is censorship resistant, right? Rules can't be added or altered to the protocol without, you know, proper consensus from the network. So it's a very could you different... tell me about that? Because 
I've been hearing in conversations about investing, oh, just wait, the government's not going to sit by and not regulate this thing. They're going to regulate it. It's almost mm -hmm. like a given in, in circles like this. So you're, t you're saying that it actually cannot be regulated like other monies can, right? Well, it, it can be regulated to a certain extent, but the, but the, the actual Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a, is a protocol. It's a consensus protocol that everyone runs and agrees to. And that code can't be easily altered or, or added to by anybody. There's, there's systems in place where the, everyone has to agree. Everyone who runs a node has to agree to run that version of the code. What a node is, is you just, are able to download the the ledger onto your computer and it's very simple I, I have one in the corner of my room just like a little raspberry pi you know less than 100 bucks and uh, uh -huh. you, you run that node and, and you're able to verify that everything's being run in, in an honest way and things aren't being changed so it's decentralized to a point where there's thousands of nodes throughout the entire world and so no one can no one can come in and just change the protocol doesn't work that way, but, but they can regulate it. They, they can, they can regulate it to a certain extent where they, you know, say that they can make it illegal. They could, they could tax, try to tax every transaction. They, they could say, you know, you, you have to do X, but you doing X is up to you, right? They can't, they can't force any changes. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. I know. I know you were, you know, libertarian, and you, you've been interested in Bitcoin for a little while. But when did you first hear about it? I'm curious. Uh, how long ago? And and oh what, wow, where were you in your life? It would have had life? to be like in 2013, back in college. You know, mm -hmm. just listening. Do exactly it. Like it was deregulation, or or not being able to be controlled by a central power, and mm -hmm. still had value in exchanges. I mean, it's just something that it's almost out of a book, a libertarian book, right? <laughs> yeah. So I started hearing dream. about that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I started hearing about it and it kind of seemed really technical. I, I got to say it still does to a lot of people. And back in the day, I think it was like $30 or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yep. so it's definitely changed since then. And now people are paying attention. Mainstream, you know, outlets are paying attention every single day to this. So, I think it's here to stay, and I'm looking forward to see how it can become more accessible. I mean, talk about accessibility to the public over the last few years. Everybody's yeah. pretty much able to do it right now from their phone. Yep. Yeah, you got Venmo, you got Cash App, you got PayPal. These big companies, you can buy it right on there, the click of a button. Definitely. It's come a long ways over the years for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm curious, do you recommend like some sort of cryptocurrency in a portfolio? I mean, do you yourself hold... A lot of Bitcoin. I do, yeah. I, Bitcoin is the majority of my net worth, and that's it's going up as I research and understand it more. To be honest, as I research it, I, honestly, I, I listen and to podcasts, and I research Bitcoin almost all day, every day. I'm I'm super obsessed with it, and and the more <laughs> I research it, the more I want to go heavier on it. So I I, I really? don't recommend I don't recommend you to buy Bitcoin just straight up. I recommend you to research it because if you buy it, you're not going to have the, the understanding and the, uh, to, to hold it when it, when it, you know, cause it's going to be volatile and, and you have to be prepared for that. So I've, I've been through 
you know, the 2017 crash and now this crash and it's just part of what you got to deal with. So those times that it goes down, you got to really research it and, and, and increase your, your conviction, you know, so you say hold. <laughs> yes, hold. That's great, man. That's, that's really good to know <laughs> because, you know, people get really emotional with their, with their investments, no matter how many times you hear it and, you know, on anything, whether it's holding index funds or when people still get emotional when it's a, a big, big part of their cash and their wealth. So uh, I'm looking forward to have it be more, but then there's also all these smaller coins, right? It's not just Bitcoin. It's like thousands of all these other coins. And yeah. it almost seems like the penny stocks in a way, like, which one yeah. are you going to like? I saw Pikachu coin. I've seen, you know, other <laughs> other fun. They're almost kind of like pushing it just because they have a fun name. Yeah. And to me, it might not call to the fundamentals, right, of investing. And maybe that's a little bit older fashion, but that really scares or I don't know. That's just like a new thing to see yeah. all these coins in their names. Yep. Yep. There's uh there's thousands out there and you know, it takes less than an hour to make your own. So there's really not much of a barrier of entry here. You can create a token on Ethereum blockchain in, in minutes. So you have to really be careful out there for sure. There's a lot of people who shill their, shill their crypto to, 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 you know, pump their bags and dump on, on you. Wow. So you gotta, you gotta be careful out there for sure. <laughs> You got to be careful, you know, do your research, do your reading. <laughs> I just re yeah. uh, recently got into into it, you know, going out on my own and doing my own consulting company. It was important that I knew like where my money was going, number one, but also like where is it going in the future? Is it making me money or is it losing me money with inflation and everything that's going on in taxes? And, you know, setting up a, a retirement account was the first thing that anybody should do and make sure that. They're at least taking advantage of that compound interest in, in something that's, you know, long term going to be a, a, a benefit. And I think the American economy is a good bet, right? I mean, that's what Warren Buffett says all the time. If you invest in these index funds and I mean, you're betting that the market is going to be better tomorrow than it is today. And I think that that's that's great. I mean, yep. if the government doesn't continue to tax and spend and, you know, decrease the value of our money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they so. will. They will. You know, speaking of inflation, they, you know how they always reference CPI and that's a selected basket of goods that they choose to be included in this measurement that they use to display to the public as inflation. However, yeah. you know, over time, you know, technology gets better. Prices normally go down but that doesn't take into account that right cpi if you say prices went up two percent well what if they without inflation what if they went down ten percent then that would be ten <laughs> plus two that'd be twelve percent is the real real number to look at so what i like to look at is the the money supply wow. i don't know if you ever look at that but the the money yeah, supplies sure. has gone up a lot it's it's gone up over over twenty percent in the last year so I think that's more, that's more of a measurement to look at in terms of inflation. It's pretty insane. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. And that I, I know there's been a lot of reports and studies that show that inflation is going up in a very dramatic way currently. Yeah. Uh, yeah because sure. of all of that. So I, I hope that because we've been through moments of inflation before in history. 
I hope that we're able to catch up to that. Obviously, there's huge federal programs and more printing going on and, and the possibility of the Fed raising interest rates. And so that's going to be a big factor. What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone's being forced into investments and, you know, taking riskier and riskier decisions for investing because they have to try to maintain their value. And when the dollar is being inflated at 20% a year, you have to make 20% on your investments in order just to maintain your value. So it's it's pretty pretty crazy what's going on. And I don't think the, the money printing is going to go down. Do you? I think I think that they, no, they need the money. No, printer. I don't know that there's any, there's any, there's no incentive to turn it off. They talked about one stimulus check, then two. And maybe, maybe that was, you know, there's an argument there. People were suffering. We needed this thing. It's an argument. I'm not saying I agree with it, but two, then three, another talking four, you know, and all of this money is going to people that might help them. It might not. And this is the best way. My dad, he lives in Mexico, and they're hearing about these checks. They call it the Trump check. Now they're calling it the Biden checks. And they said, is that a lot of money what, what people are getting? And I said, well, if you don't need it, it is. It, you know, you can go and spend it and buy something nice or invest it. And that's, you know, a thousand some dollars that you didn't have before. That's a lot of money. But if you actually need it for rent and food and all of that it's really not that much and so that goes to show you how government works and operates it's you know one single thing fits all one big bureaucracy that really fit to what the, the solutions are and really the last people we want fixing these problems are these bureaucrats and politicians my gosh see i'm going back to my libertarian ways over okay, here. Yeah. let me ramble long enough <laughs> So, so yeah, all to say that we really need to look at what the role of government is and, and really take a, a hard look at that. Having said that, the, the party that's supposed to be the check on that, the, the small government party, the let's watch spending, the watchdog group party, haven't been doing a great job. You know, you look at the last administration and how much they spent, it was like social, I mean, economic conservatism. And responsibility was never a value of the Republican Party. It was it, it was like thrown out the last uh, you know administration, and somebody so many people thought that was fine. Nobody really seemed to mind. So I hope I hope there's a movement out there that brings back fiscal responsibility as a value that we have that we should have. Yeah. Well, I think I think with the Bitcoin standard, people are forced into a more honest and transparent uh, financial system so I, I think hopefully bitcoin can fix that <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> Let's the hope. Hope. Yeah. maybe we're gonna need it in a way that it, we're not asking oh is it gonna take over we're gonna say well that's the the alternative we have to take because the dollar is so worthless yeah that that might be the thing so now i know that there's arguments against this whole thing that we've been doing because i know we've been pushing the inflation side what do you think is the best argument against this because i know there's people that see government spending as a positive you know when the economy is growing maybe you can take on some debt and help people out and all that kind of stuff do you think there's any merit there i think that if you look throughout history fiat currencies are a tool that government uses to fund, you know, warfare, huge un unlimited amount of spending. And I think that if you look at the way we're headed and how 
the people who are closest to the money printer are the ones who get uh, the most benefit. Uh, big corporations, you know, the, the banks on the top, of course. I don't see this stopping anytime soon. So I, I do see that there are points that they make to try to, you know, give out stimulus checks. People are in need. Yeah, sure. But what are the repercussions? I, I don't think the the repercussions are, are worth the temporary fix with our fiat system, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. So let's let's move on to another question here. I don't know if you, you, you've ever heard Michael Saylor talk about Bitcoin, but he says that Bitcoin gives property rights to, to billions of people. And it's banking on the unbanked. It's allowing people to escape tyranny and hyperinflation, giving them an alternative to store their value in. And so in your opinion, do you, do you think that, do you think that this is the most significant technology of our lifetime in terms of, you know, granting human rights to, to everyone worldwide? It certainly could be, especially because the, the question keeps coming up, where do I put my money where it's not going to just lose its value? And if you can bring Bitcoin into that conversation, more people can attain it because it's usually real estate, right? The answer for so many years has been, we'll just buy some real estate. It appreciates over time. It's a great investment for for hedging for inflation. Well, now real estate is at an all-time high because everybody's flooding to it for many reasons. So is there an alternative to that? I think Bitcoin could very well be that alternative. Um, due to the, the, the technology, I think you can make a, a very strong argument on that. But because it's so new and because it is technical, I think that that's a barrier to help even more people that it could be helping. Yeah. Hopefully podcasts like these are bringing that understanding so that more people can attain that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're in, we're in this position where we live in America. We have options. We can purchase real estate. We can purchase stocks. And it's all relatively safe and secure. However, you know, there's billions of people out there who don't have those options and there's people who don't even have a have a ability to have a bank account and they don't have a native currency in their country or whatever it may be and and i think this this gives them a an option of being able to store their value you know imagine if you don't have access to any assets to invest in and you only have a currency that's being hyperinflated and every day you try to store your value it goes down the next day, you know, it's 50% down or whatever. It, it's uh, they don't have many options. So I think it, it's definitely it gives a lot of value to people out there who, who don't have the, the nice options that we do here. So, and it's, I think like the, the path of innovation, you know, the communication that, and resources that the internet brought as well as the communications that we have allowed, like even the markets have opened up for people all over the world just because we're able to have commerce through the internet and it's just all pointing that way to a global community, a more global community and a less isolated, even though there's still people today that live so isolated, which is nuts because we have all this now and it's sad to see that there are people in, in countries due to dictatorships and, and horrible political systems that don't allow them to live in, in this, I guess, prosperity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, lots of instances of people being able to escape tyranny and uh, get, escape their country. And, you know, if, they're, if their property is seized at the border, they can't seize Bitcoin because you can store it in your head. 
you can put it on a piece of paper. You know, there's lots of ways to store it, which is pretty cool. It really gives a lot of power back to the people. So that's why I... Agency. Yeah. Yeah. That's so- awesome. Sovereign. I love it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, it's a it's a hedge with with a impending downturn, hopefully. You know, it'll be a big test. People have said we, we're in a bull market for the last 12 years or whatever. And everybody's expecting a downturn eventually. You know, who, who knows what's going to come. But it will be interesting to, to see that if we do have one, how Bitcoin will hold up to that. Yeah. I think Bitcoin has proved, it, proved itself to be quite resilient over the years. But I do think the biggest uh, opponent of Bitcoin is going to be governments. And uh, I know you mentioned that earlier as a as a uh, counter argument towards Bitcoin. And I do think it is a, the, the most valid, the most valid concern regarding Bitcoin is governments coming after it. And I, and I do think they will harder and harder over the years. And but the, the thing is, is they can't, they can't stop it. They can't, they, they can, they can try to legislate it, but they, they can't force things upon it because of the, the nature of Bitcoin. They cannot yeah. manipulate the, the amount of Bitcoin that is out there, and that's the main yeah. thing. They can't change the supply exactly. The supply is transparent, right. it's in the code, it's uh, predictable. You can see how many Bitcoins are going to be created until the hard cap of 21 million, and it's a complete honest, transparent system instead of fiat, which is awesome. <laughs> that is so great. That is so great. Yeah, it could be the future, man. You know, it's going to be great if it does change and we can look back and say, oh, remember we used to pay with like steel coins that we used to carry in our pockets and it jingled? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was steel coins. It, at least that was, you know, somewhat limited. And then we got off the gold standard and then absolutely no <laughs> limit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've heard recently at the Bitcoin 2021 conference, Jack Maller announced El Salvador was making Bitcoin legal tender. They don't have their own currency there. They're a very good candidate to have Bitcoin as legal tender because A, they don't have their own currency. B, 70% of people there are unbanked and don't have access to store their value in anything, like I was saying before. So that's pretty pretty exciting thing to have happen. What do you think about that? You think you think more countries are going to get on board? And if so, who do you think's next? And what will that lead to? Yeah, no, I think that especially countries that are in, in need of that, right? You'd want to think that the U.S. or more advanced countries would get to it first and you know like you said you can actually buy it on venmo and other cash apps and other stuff like that but i think the question goes beyond that it's like which country is going to actually implement it as it's you know that's a little bigger than just saying anybody can buy it and so i think we're going to be seeing countries that are emerging countries attach themselves onto it just like countries that didn't have phone lines you know, phone went into having cell phones right away and didn't have to deal with, you know, just landlines all the time. So they'll, they'll skip that innovation step. But I do think it's going to be emerging markets first. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's pretty cool what they're doing there with Jack's company called Strike. They're utilizing a second layer lightning network to be able to send and receive payments virtually for, for free and instantly. And oh, wow. a, lot, a lot of people are that they're requiring 
actually requiring businesses to accept it as payment. And I think they're making some exceptions. They're not being, you know, fully implementing that. But if, if you're not, yeah. te- if you're not tech savvy enough, you know, they're not going to put you in jail for not. But they are saying that they, they require businesses to accept it. So I think that's a uh, quite a big, quite a big uh, leap forward for Bitcoin. And it's, and it's culture, right? Culture driving that change instead of legislation. We don't have to wait for somebody to pass something to make it policy. We can just culturally want it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the cool thing is no one forces you to use Bitcoin or adopt it. Right? Everyone who uses right. the Bitcoin network chooses to, unlike fiat, fiat were required to. That's that's the great thing about the Bitcoin network. So. Yeah, that's great. I, I can't wait to see it grow. Me too. <laughs> so, how, how do you think? How do you think us supporting Bitcoin? How do you? What are some ways you think that we can support the network and get the word out there and help to help to grow it? Well, I think that we're. I don't know if it's our age or whatever. We're in the point where people are talking about their finances, and especially people in our generation or maybe even just our age group need to have those conversations and introduce Bitcoin into the the conversation you know it was seen as this fringe tech kind of thing and now because it's so mainstream anytime investing comes up bitcoin comes up too Mm. and so number one thing you can do is buy bitcoin and be a supporter of what you understand so understand it invest in it and then talk about it would be would be my how you how you promote this We've been having conversations with Arizona Talks and our foundation about investing. And one of the things that we want to do is produce some sort of conversation about Bitcoin because people need that information. And I think they would be interested enough to the point where they would be willing to hear from somebody like a peer of theirs talk about that that experience and, and having a good experience about that. And so that's how I get most motivated is I see other people like you on social media and just articles sharing the good news of that. So yeah, that's what I would say. Be personally invested. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, definitely quite the rabbit hole to, to go down and, you know, you got to start, start your research somewhere. And you and I have a pretty good understanding of Federal Reserve and our whole fiat monetary system due to our, you know, background in libertarianism and understanding that. So we have a little bit of a head start there, but I would definitely agree. And I think, I think a good place to start is, you know, asking yourself, what is money and where, where does it come from and how, how is it created and why is it created and all that? Yeah. Absolutely. And to join that conversation, you know, it's, it can be intimidating because it's kind of like a, it's an its own study really like talking about investments it, it's almost you know you have to put time into that but if you don't do it because it's hard then you're not going to get the benefits from it and it's just something everybody has to do the younger the better but again i i, I look at uh, talking to myself when i was 20 about this and i 
probably rolled my eyes and be like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about here? So <laughs> I think it's much more attainable now and much younger people are getting into it. That can have a, a double-edged sword to it because I, I'm sure you've heard of the cases where people are just messing around on Robin Hood or whatever and they're doing all these risky things and sometimes they're messing up and you know that could lead to bad consequences or negative outcomes when people do it too much. But I really don't see the case of that being now. I think the case, especially for Bitcoin, is to have more and more people understand the benefits of it and how it can it can benefit their lives. Yeah, yeah. I would I would separate, in my opinion, stacking sats, you know, buying Bitcoin from from gambling. They're they're kind of different in my eyes, but the, there's definitely a lot of enticing you know, altcoins, other cryptocurrencies, you know, stock options, all, all that, you yeah. know, very risky behavior, I would definitely not not recommend because it's probably a losing game in the, in the long run. So yeah. question for you, do you see Bitcoin then as a long term uh, investment and not a, a short term kind of like, I'm going to get, you know, huge gains and then get out? Yeah, I, I do. I, I don't try to time the market. The, the, the extent of me trying to time the market is merely purchasing a little bit more if it's gone down. I purchase a dollar cost average in, I buy on red days, and I have a holding period of forever, hopefully. So I, I don't <laughs> I don't plan to sell. I, I'm of, I'm not completely closed off. You know, there's always a possibility that a better Bitcoin is created. I, I don't I can't comprehend that happening, but I, I suppose yeah. it's possible. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, this is different than, for example, the, the uh, what is it, the super shorts, you know, with, with AMC and GameStop. I mean, it almost gets lumped together, but it really yeah. is completely different. You're talking about shorting a stock and, and, doing yeah. that, and then you're talking about a, a currency <laughs> on another side. So that yeah. has gotten pretty crazy as well. Yeah, Bitcoin is, is made to be the, the base layer of our new financial system, and you can already see... Oh development being done on a second layer we get we got DeFi being built on bitcoin you know decentralized lending and, and whatnot as well as lightning network allowing for instant and free transactions so it, the the, the wow. base layer is supposed is meant to be secure and very slow to change very hard to change very decentralized and that's what bitcoin that's what bitcoin goes for it, everything's there's, there's a trade-off for everything and Bitcoin strives to be the most decentralized and stable and limited supply base layer. So that's why I say I'm in for the long run. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. That is exciting. <laughs> that's great, man. Cool, man. Well, thanks a lot for, for talking to me. I, I really enjoyed our conversation here. And uh, yeah. Yeah. If you could just go over where, where people can find you. Uh, I know you're, you got your passion job, Arizona talks and where, where can people, people find you if they want to find out more about yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Arizona talks foundation. We're all in every platform. If you just search for Arizona talks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're on there promoting different conversations every single month on public policy issues, whether it be criminal justice, immigration, whatever it is, we're, we're at ArizonaTalks.org or any social media that you're on. Hopefully you get to find us and, and see our talks because what we're trying to do is not to change people's minds, but to promote the idea that we can talk about hard issues and still move forward as a country. So thank you so much, Matt, for, for giving me this, this platform.
yeah thanks for coming and really really enjoyed talking to you have a good one yeah talk soon bye bye